What's up, guys? This is Greg Ferris, and you are listening to the Myo Brain Podcast. I think this is episode eight or nine. I always forget. Uh, but today we have our newest coach with Myo Brain. His name is Jesse Hill. He just started with us uh, about last month, and including myself now, we have four coaches. So it's very exciting to be expanding the team. Um, everyone kind of brings their own unique spice to it. Uh, we're obviously all doing online consulting. Um, those three and myself do nutrition consulting, and then I also do some exercise stuff as well. And again, it's just really fun to see see things grow. And the point of this podcast is to really just have people get to know Jesse a little bit. At the end, we have some Q&A that we got from mostly his Instagram, and then a few from our clients in our Facebook group. Um, really nothing to cover as far as the intro today. Obviously, you can check out all of our plans at myobrain.co. If you're interested in signing up with us, uh, you can follow me on my, uh, Instagram at myobrain. And I think Jesse, you are. It's uh, at Jesse Hill three, I believe. Damn, I think it's Jesse underscore Hill three. <laughs> See, I that's think. how much I know about social media. Yeah. I'm working on it. <laughs> I, I worked on like a post for next week, and I remember like, oh, he has an underscore somewhere in there. Um, <laughs> so yeah, man, we'll jump into it. So. What I really wanted to discuss today, uh, so you, like many of our listeners, like many of our clients, did CrossFit. You still do CrossFit, but just did CrossFit, the traditional like lifting weights and Metcon, thrusters and burpees, things like that. Um, and then maybe about a year or so ago, you can definitely correct me if I'm wrong, decided to start training for a triathlon. And from my understanding, you really had very little experience with that. It isn't like you ran cross country or you were a swimmer growing up and you're like, oh, I'm gonna do this now. It was more like you're the traditional meathead and then you decided to train for a triathlon, which is a very, very big jump um, mentally and obviously physically for what you were doing. So my first question for you is with that jump, kind of what was your inspiration for doing that? Um, and really, yeah, what helped you pull the trigger in doing the traditional CrossFit stuff to making that take more of a back burner and deciding to do a triathlon, not just doing the training, but you decided to, to actually sign up for one? Yeah, traditional meathead. I like that. Um, <laughs> Same. Don't so, worry. I mean, I, I've been doing a variety of styles of uh, exercise for, I mean, I started in like middle school and I was doing boxing for a little bit, just body weight stuff, like interval running stuff. And I was always looking for the next thing because I got tired of it. And then eventually CrossFit came around and CrossFit uh, satiated that, you know, constant need for variety because there's so much to work on with CrossFit. And um, I mean, I still have so much to work on with CrossFit, but one of my friends put up a post that he had signed up for a half Ironman uh, last year and I saw that and I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And then one of my really good friends, now roommate, uh, actually texted me about it and it was just an impulse decision to sign up for it. Uh, it was, I mean, I've never done a triathlon. I didn't have a bike. I actually had to buy running shoes like the next week. And uh, it was just like a new challenge and something exciting to shoot for, like a, a goal to to work on. So instead of just, you know, going through um, the weekly cadence of showing up at the CrossFit gym and putting in a Metcon or whatever you wanted to focus on that week, uh, it was nice to have a, a specific target that we were working for like eight months down the road. Yeah, that, that's really cool. And I think you, you touched upon a point where 
I think from the outside, CrossFit looks like a lot of variety. And it is a lot more variety than like, say, I did powerlifting where you just, I mostly just did squat, bench, and deadlift. And my variety was like Romanian deadlifts. You know what I mean? So compared to that, it's a lot of variety. But after you do it for a year or two, you realize like, okay, well, we like do some jump rope and then we do some burpees. And then on next day, we like run and we do these barbell cleans. And it's like, it, it gets pretty like routine. Right, um, yeah. and you and I think you know just taking someone could take the approach of oh I'm going to try like a different gymnastics program or a different competitor program or whatever, but it's still not like if you look at Misfits and Invictus and Training Thing Take, it's not like vastly different training programs, right? Um, you on the other hand were like oh I'm going to go like run ten miles today, right? Like that's a little bit different of like an approach, and I think I talked to my clients a lot about this of like trying to find interesting things to keep them engaged i think can help a lot of people with their habit of exercise or just keeping like their intensity there where they're not necessarily going through the motions right uh the really the second thing i want to touch upon there and you kind of brought that in with like didn't even have running shoes how did you transition into that did you go more like i'm doing crossfit five days a week and i have it ran in months i'm just gonna go like start this triathlon program or was it more like a subtle thing where you just like ran for 20 minutes the first few weeks and then you sort of like found an actual training program like did you ease into it or do you kind of just jump full in yeah well it was it was a little bit of a scramble because it was such a impulsive decision i mean we looked at the event and uh, i don't know how much you know about triathlons but each leg actually has a time cap on it and since we had no prior triathlon experience we were like crap we better get our butts in the gear so that we can actually meet these time caps you know and uh so we one of my thoughts initially was uh looking into aerobic capacity and uh using that as a running program because it was twice a week and i know it's like an hour or less um and then just basically biking and swimming uh in the mix there but that was um, less structured than both of us would have liked. So we started looking There's a website like training peaks would ha- which had a variety of plans. Uh, we just Googled a bunch of different Ironman plans and eventually I found a pretty straightforward one that was, um, just swimming like three times a week and then one long run, uh, on the weekend, one longer bike on the weekend, and then like a shorter run during the week. So it was a pretty nice routine schedule that was pretty easy to fit in. And it wasn't because some of these training plans are very precise with, you know, specific um, times on like the the intervals that you're doing. And this was just pretty straightforward as far as like, okay, you're going to swim this far today. Um, and it's not going to take six hours of your day to, to train, you know? So yeah, it was just finding something that fit in our work schedule and seemed easy to follow because we were both, you know, rookies in the triathlon stuff. So, yeah, there's some, there's some interesting points there. I think the, the time to train is certainly one that always comes to my head where it's like, it's, it's literally just a lot of time to, to build up that much volume to do that. Um, what What's the actual length of each thing for a uh, triathlon? Well, so uh, for this one, the half Ironman was um, a 1.2 mile swim, 
a 56 mile bike ride and then a 13.1 mile run right right so coming from a place where and this is where most people are if they're doing crossfit they are not accustomed to that kind of volume of things like people have like i ran a 5k at a crossfit competition like in july granted i'm a very very poor runner but i was like ooh, i gotta train for this right so i'm not sure how many k's 13 miles is but it's a lot <laughs> right um so i do think like that the time is is a big uh deterrence from from a lot of people right but, but you kind of mentioned too of maybe the frequency wasn't that high where you were only running twice a week right where i think in my head if i was going to do that I'd be like man i need to be running like four or five days a week right so maybe your actual time of training wasn't that high I'm obviously at a certain level, just like any sport, you're, it's going to need more demand of your time, right? But as someone doing your first thing, kind of just more trying to complete it or complete it under the caps of each one, I think that's yeah. kind of an interesting thing to hear. Um, another kind of quick question I had on that too, which one of the three, I'm assuming like running, because there's still some running in CrossFit, that's more of a natural thing, but which one of the three did you find the most difficult to find a rhythm with um, in training or like you just kind of feel like you couldn't get better or would make you super sore or whatever? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, well, there's a couple of things I want to touch on there. Um, well, the first being triathlon training is distance training, right? So with CrossFit, if you have a skill or something to work on, you can do a 10 minute imam and, you know, develop, uh, you know, gymnastic capacity, whatever it is you're working on, you can squeeze a quick workout in, in 10 minutes or less if you need to. And when you're doing something like a triathlon, um, these distances take a lot of time. So training just in its nature takes a lot more time. And, um, with this training, it's, since it was so different than the CrossFit stuff, it was it was a little bit tricky to, I guess, get excited or motivated because like running is not something that I've ever really enjoyed doing. It's kind of a monotonous movement, and I really like like task-based training. So you know that's why I think aerobic capacity is cool because you run 400 meters, uh, you know, rest two minutes, then you sprint 200 meters. It's very like task-based where with this triathlon stuff, it was more just cover distance, make sure you get your distances in, and then you'll ideally have a base for when the event comes around. Um, so I really enjoyed swimming. Uh, I felt like that was actually therapeutic for my joints. Um, and uh, I will say that it was tough, like waking up a quarter to five in the Minnesota winter to, to get into a pool, but you know, you had to just get that in. And then, um, as far as like pains go, I would say probably, um, the running was the, the most challenging to consistently do just because I, that's the one I enjoyed the least from the start. Um, so and it's, it, that one just felt like it had the most impact too. Uh, so I don't know if it was maybe like shoe based or just <laughs> lack of running base, but it was probably a combination of both. Yeah, yeah. I, I certainly, if I were ever to be off my rock right up to try something like that, the running would be the struggle for me. Um, I'm not a good swimmer, but like you said, it really doesn't feel like it beats you up um, all that much. Like even when I would, I was swimming maybe like six-ish months ago, pretty consistent, like once a week. Um, 
that wouldn't be anything crazy probably i mean definitely not compared to what you're doing but something like in the three to five hundred meter range um and i would have some pretty like sore lats um the next few days like it wasn't it's always funny to me when i see like top crossfitters like active recovery swam 300 meters and i'm like that is not recovery for me like i don't know how you're swimming but or they're flying to themselves like it's in a pool i guess so it has to be recovery but um i would have some sore lats from that even with for for me it was high volume but generally speaking pretty pretty low volume swimming um cool man so switching gears a little bit to nutrition so obviously going from a standard maybe like five or six hour a week of a lot of lifting weights and on the blog post that will be posted up pretty soon maybe around the time that this podcast comes out you kind of talk about you still did some crossfit um throughout your experience you didn't just uh, transition to that but i'm assuming it was very very minimal because you mentioned that the time requirements for it but what were some of the big nutrition changes you had to make when you switched especially switch goals from being good at crossfit building muscle to purely endurance based sure yeah I, actually i do want to just touch on the the cadence of the crossfit training i I mean i was actually still doing crossfit very regularly um i was just trying to get my triathlon training in before work in the morning so it was just basically extra cardio uh in my week so i was still doing crossfit i would say like five days a week but it was just like the general class that i would drop into and that was about the extent of it uh but as far as nutrition goes I, i mean i started to drop weight uh, pretty quickly with the addition of all of this extra cardio. So I just added, I mean, I knew that um, I would just need more energy uh, for these longer sessions. So I just bumped up my carbohydrates pretty significantly. And even when I did that, I was still dropping uh, weight. And then I kind of plateaued um, around 180, between like 185 and 190. Uh, and I was eating like another 100 grams of carbohydrates a day when i was doing this so i just bumped up my carbohydrates and that was pretty much it it was it pretty much like one swift bump at the beginning that was that was like pretty much all you needed to do for the uh remainder yeah it was pretty pretty much it just one quick bump to uh the extra 100 and then it kind of just level set my weight even with the extra um training that i was doing so yeah and i think i think that's uh you probably can tie in like some hunger cues to that too you know if you were training quite a bit more and you lost say five pounds in the first few weeks and you're probably a lot more hungry it obviously just makes sense of trying to eat quite a bit more to, to fuel that um obviously we'll in the, the blog post that will be up around this we kind of have two pictures of your physique almost like before and after and the, the idea of the post discussed kind of like maybe some fears that people would have with the addition of a lot of endurance training and how it would be on their physique. And we'll let that post kind of come out to let it see um, how things went. But it gets interesting that um, nutrition obviously plays a huge role in that just with, I mean, obviously with your switching goals a little bit but you mentioned you still were training maybe five hours a week of crossfit stuff you were just training quite a bit more too right um and i think that's maybe not something that people think about even when maybe a less aggressive thing maybe you like doubled your volume over a short period of time but even if people a lot of people will start doing crossfit and they go three or four days a week in class and they kind of want to get more competitive so they'll start to do you know like 
a couple of double days or like we discussed, like an active recovery 60-minute row or a swim. They don't really change their calories all that much, and that can be really a big detriment to them to essentially have all this additional stress on their body without the actual fuel to adapt from that. Right. So obviously we can't give specifics on, you know, you mentioned you bumped up your carbs at a hundred grams. For some people, it could be 150. For some people, it could be 50. Right. But it, it, more than likely, when you have a sudden increase in your volume like that, something will need to change your nutrition in order to really adapt from that, um, that stimulus you're, you're providing yourself. So exactly. And when you're doing this style of training too, it's, I mean, you're going to want, things that are easy to break down so the, the the types of carbohydrates i was consuming were much more dense in nature you know so uh it was a lot of like carbohydrate powders uh, because i i think i'd read before i started this training that like you should be consuming uh, a quarter of your body weight in grams of carbohydrates per hour of whatever aerobic modality that you're doing. So I just kind of kept that in mind when I was going on my bike rides or runs or whatever to have, um, you know, uh, enough fuel for that run. And since it was powder based, my heart carbohydrates just kind of went up very quickly um, as far as how much I was consuming on a day to day basis. For sure. I mean, the, the thing, logistically speaking, too, for people that train at a high volume is not only are you training more, so you, you're expending more calories, but if you're, you're essentially also decreasing the amount of time that you can eat food, right? If you're like, yeah. if you're like on a bike for two hours in the morning, as opposed to like eating breakfast, right? Then you have to go and make up that food somewhere else. Like you said, you have to consume calories actually during the activity to re- replenish that. Right. Uh, switching gears a little bit to kind of the week, um, week or so lead up to the triathlon. So to give us an idea of what your training and nutrition look like, you do do like a a classic, um, bowl of pasta the night before. Um, you kind of already touched upon like maybe some intra race stuff you did with like a quarter of your body weight and and carbohydrates per hour. Um, some more kind of details of what that week looked like as far as your taper, um, intra workout nutrition, all that stuff. Yeah, so, I mean, to be fully uh, transparent here, our goal is just to finish the event, right? So uh, I felt pretty relaxed leading up to it as far as, um, you know, we put in the work and uh, I just try to keep my nutrition consistent. So uh, I didn't want to make any changes when it came to race week. Um, I just wanted to stick to the foods that I knew that I would be able to handle well. And uh, since the event was in Chattanooga, Tennessee, we actually were on the road too. So it was like a 12 hour drive to get there. Uh, So, I mean, I just tried to keep my carbohydrates high, uh, made sure I had adequate protein intake. And from there, it wasn't really um, something super specific as far as a taper goes. Uh, I mean, the program had a natural taper in it with the, you know, the amount of volume in the last two weeks. And um, I was just mindful of what I was doing in CrossFit uh, in these last two weeks, too. So I think it all kind of just came together with the prep that we put in and then being on the road, um, keeping carbohydrates and protein high was really my focus. And I think the only time it really changed was when it came to the actual event because of the uh, like the nutrition tents that they have spaced throughout the race. So, yeah, maybe give us some more details on kind of what that looked like for 
obviously you're not consuming anything during the swim. So kind of what was yeah. your game plan for um, consuming things on the bike and then also on the run? Yep. So uh, just to start, um, the triathlon starts super early. So we got up, I think, at like 3.30 in the morning and had our breakfast. And the breakfast was very much the same as like what I would have before I would train here in Minnesota. I was just like oats and berries and egg whites, that type of deal. And then um, for the bike, the swim, you don't have anything, obviously. Uh, for the bike, they had tents spaced out every 15 miles. So there are four tents on the uh, bike event. And then the run had tents every two miles. And these tents had uh, bottles of Gatorade, uh, oranges, bananas, they had those goo gels, um, they had pretzels, they had Coke, um, and yeah, just a variety of stuff. And since I had been training with a specific carbohydrate powder, uh, I did have two bottles full of that on my bike. Uh, but then once that ran out, I kind of just started hitting the tens buffet style, you know, right. give me, give me, give me, give me everything you got. So as you're biking by, they actually have people standing like in the road, handing, things off so i remember at one point i like pinched a bottle of gatorade between my thumb and pointer finger i had a banana between my pointer finger and middle finger and then i had a goo pack between my ring finger and my pinky so I, my hand was just like full of all this stuff um and i just knew that i had to keep carbohydrates high and that's really what my focus was um on the run i it was really hot that day too as the day progressed i mean tennessee is super humid uh it got to be like mid low to mid 90s uh on the the half marathon piece and there were lots of hills and the bike actually um really fatigued my legs too so towards the end i'd say the last like two three miles i started having some pretty gnarly cramps and i just think it was because i uh, you know, didn't really have um, uh, enough sodium towards the end of the event, so I didn't. I didn't take advantage of the pretzels. I kind of just wanted to have the things that seemed really easy to consume and on the run. So I didn't really want crunchy, dry pretzels. I was like thinking, give me the Gatorade, give me the goo gel, something quick that I can squeeze in and just, you know, move on. So, yeah, that that the story of you uh, with three of things in your hands reminds me of like a almost like an iron man halloween trick-or-treat thing you're just like yeah. dumping your hand in like a whole bunch of carbohydrates but yeah um, that's right yeah that, that's pretty cool you had a pretty mostly relaxed week of the of the triathlon um like you mentioned too like it's very different when uh maybe this is your sixth one and you're trying to get a specific time versus like the first one your goal is kind of to finish and then maybe your goals evolve over time where you um, get more data. I mean, the same thing touching upon like your training stuff where you mentioned that a lot of the things were just more like accumulate a one case swim or something like that. And there wasn't a lot of structure with it. I'm assuming if you ever to, or to do one again, if you were to take note of that stuff, you kind of have like, now you have a base on of what your times are, right? Where you're like, okay, well I did run the, I ran the uh, 13 miles at a eight and a half minute mile pace. So that kind of then guides your training the next time you're, you're doing that. 
kind of like when you start lifting weights, right? The goal is just like, hey, just like do sets of five or do sets of 10 back squats and just do that for a while, right? But you can get better doing that, but then after a while, you're gonna be like, okay, well, this is my one rep max and I'm working off percentages of that. And it, it almost gets, for me, who's very analytical, it gets more fun that way when you kind of have like paces to hold or weights to hit or something like that, as opposed to like what you said of just like, I couldn't imagine how boring it would be if someone's just like squat for 10 minutes. I'd be like, okay, well, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, yeah, I mean, yeah. it gives you feedback on a consistent basis as far as how you're progressing, you know, right. or how you're feeling on certain days. And I think that, like you said, that's what makes it fun because if you aren't really progressing, you're putting all this work in, you know, then it's like, well, why am I putting this work in? Right. You're almost just doing the volume so you know you can survive the volume sort of thing. Um, yeah. But obviously if you can't handle the volume of an event like that it's not going to matter how what your paces were right if you exactly if you only like i would i i physically could not do that regardless of whatever pace i wanted to try to hold you know so uh last little thing i have down here for you before we move into the q a um do you have any specific pieces of advice for people may want to make a big jump like you did to really jumping into a, a lot of endurance volume like that and maybe doing a, a triathlon or maybe even just a marathon or an Ironman, half, mar- half Ironman, whatever, or just someone, I would kind of put myself in this in this uh, category, um, that may want to just start experimenting with that longer stuff. So maybe someone like me who typically like once a week I would run two to three miles and I've done like cycle bar is like the extent of like my um, cycling uh, background right and then I like I told you I swam maybe like three to five hundred meters and I probably would do one of those a week not all three of them um, so kind of a piece of advice for people that may want to jump into some endurance stuff um, yeah yeah well honestly I think the big thing is set a big goal because there were multiple people that told us how bad of an idea this was <laughs> that we've never done an iron i mean we pulled up to our airbnb in tennessee and the airbnb was shared with other people that were doing the events and we walk in looking like total rookies and these guys were you know uh competitive triathletes and the guy literally told us that we were effing idiots that we signed up for this event and um we were like you know what we just wanted if we were going to do a triathlon we didn't want to start with a sprint and then do um an olympic and then you know just build up through the ranks of the try we wanted to set a big goal and then just put in the work and then prove to ourselves that we could do it and the Ironman's considered kind of like the pinnacle of triathlons, you know? So we were like, let's just do it. Let's commit to it and train for it. And I don't think you need to have this crazy um, detailed training plan if you're just looking to finish. I think you just need to consistently swim, run, and bike, and then you can do it. And I think it's really cool when you can prove to yourself um, that you can finish an event like that like when i looked at my watch at the end of that day and it said 70.3 miles traveled you know that was pretty (laughs) mind-blowing because i've never you know that's like a that's a driving distance you know right so uh, i think the big thing there is just set a big goal and get after it that's it yeah i think that that's cool too because not that there's not pride in other things right but it's it's pretty transparent. There's more pride in yourself when things are more difficult, right? So, um, 
there's a small amount of pride for some people in a 5k and then a little bit more pride in someone with the half marathon than the marathon then now there's crazy people running 100 miles sort of a thing right and like you said there's just there's going to be with that work there's going to come a lot more enjoyment and fulfillment of that goal and this is a not to go on a tangent but a, a slight like disdain i have for a lot of people um and i think it's kind of like a society shift where we just like don't like hard things and we're it's really difficult for people to admit that they want to succeed in things because almost like a vulnerability in that right so like if yeah. you tell people hey i'm gonna do a half i keep saying this wrong was it a half iron man yeah okay. half iron man i keep saying whatever um <laughs> if you tell people hey in it's january and in september i'm gonna do a half iron man there's a lot of like responsibility to that you know so if it's if it's june or july and you're no longer in the pool your people are gonna be like remember when jesse said he's gonna do that uh, iron man <laughs> yeah. right um so people are, are are kind of afraid of putting themselves in that situation so you have all these people that are just like well i kind of want to lose weight and like yeah i mean that would be fun to do a half marathon but it's like no like but you said like really commit to that goal and then hold yourself responsible to it and know that the fulfillment you're going to get from that is going to be huge a lot more than just like this wishy-washy maybe i'll do it maybe i won't um obviously you give yourself an out there too which is much easier like you said getting up at five o'clock in the morning when it's snow outside and having to get into a cold pool like it's easy to find yourself an out when you're not really all into that and and you really describing it sounded like you were pretty all in from the get-go of like you were excited to do it it was a new thing for you you committed to like an actual race date right like you didn't just say i'm gonna do one right you kind of like i'm gonna do one this time and i think i wish more people were like that i wish more people were even if you didn't even if you did it for like six months and you're like you know what i hate swimming and you didn't do it like to me there's more honor in that than just like this people who are afraid to pursue things you know yeah, absolutely. And these these triathlons are expensive. Like, I don't know if people realize how expensive of a sport triathlons are. Not just the event in itself, but especially all the equipment, the bikes, the shoes, the pedals, the the bike shorts that you have to get. I mean, honestly, you can see on, and that's another thing too. Like you said, this could turn into a tangent. But when you're biking, uh, it's almost like we, my friend and I had kind of like these upright bikes. We looked like just total rookies and there's people passing us on these like Tron type bikes. You know, it's got like this whirring sound to it. They've got the aerodynamic helmet that's pointed in the back. And, um, it's just insane to, to see that the, the spread in the triathlete community, not only from age, but to uh, equipment and ability. It's just, it's huge. The triathlete community is huge. And it was pretty cool being a part of that. But I think, you know, ultimately you just need to sign up for an event, have that financial commitment, and then, you know, figure out the next steps uh, once you do that. Yeah, that's sweet, man. So um, that is it for getting to know the Iron Man of Jesse.
so we'll move into some Q&A stuff. So again, some of these questions were from Jesse's Instagram. Uh, again, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, Jesse just started coaching, nutrition coaching with Myobrain. So we'll give you guys some education here. Just more be like rapid fire Q&A stuff. And then that will be the wrap. So the first question we have, some of these aren't, I think just one of these are not really related to nutrition. But um, what books, we'll both answer these. What books are you reading these days? Or book, yeah. or book one book. One book? No, no, no just it, oh. it implies that there are like several you're reading, you know. Okay. <laughs> so I have uh, three books on my desk at the moment. Um, one of them is Bachelor Pad Economics. Oh. Uh, now that I'm in my mid-20s, I'm trying to just understand finances more. Someone recommended this book to me. Um, it's just talking about setting yourself up for retirement, investing, all that stuff. Um, it's something that's been hard to digest just because I've never really been as interested in like this type of material, but I think it's definitely going to be helpful. Uh, the other book is called Fat Loss Forever by Lane Norton. He's one of the uh, originals when it comes to flexible dieting, and it's just um interesting to hear his perspective from experience with clients and just some of the science out there uh in regards to what happens with the body when you start dieting and you know yo-yo dieting and different diets that have such a uh, following in america today and then the last book is um i think it's called insurgent the Divergent series. It was like The Hunger Games, <laughs> just a fiction novel. Uh, yeah, I uh, really liked The Hunger Games, and someone said this was a good series. So you know, gotta balance the the uh, fiction and nonfiction stuff. So I have no balance in that. I've, yeah. I haven't read a fiction book since Twilight in high school. I don't think I'm not <laughs> you read Twilight, huh? Yeah, I think I read Twilight because I was like trying to impress a girl or something like that. I don't know why I thought that. I don't know. I don't know why I thought that would impress a girl when I was seventeen or something. But there's a picture of me on the way to a track meet. So I think it's on my Facebook still. And I'm like in this white V-neck shirt with like this uh, um, Chicago White Sox like flat bill hat, and I'm nice. reading Twilight in the back for a track meet. Just so oh, nice. So I like I was like a nerdy. Uh, athlete already when i was like 17. um on the on the finance side of things i will recommend a book to you i think it is called i will i will teach you to be rich worst title ever um yeah but it's by this guy named like ramit something he's been on i think i heard him on the tim ferris podcast i think he's been like on the minimalist podcast as well um i loved that book for like finances more so was like a, anyone that knows me knows I'm very organized and like organization. As an organization of finances, it was amazing. As far as like, you get this much money, this is how much you spend on this, this is how you automatically invest this, and it's like, it takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. And it's, nice. it's not a finance book that's like, one of my good friends is like this big Dave Ramsey person, and he's like, you shouldn't spend any money on anything nice, and like wants to drive a 1964 pickup truck. Um, <laughs> to each their own on how they want to like budget and live their lives. But he is a little bit, I kind of resonate with this guy's message because he's more so about like on things that you love, AKA Iron Man stuff, like spend all of your money. 
and on things you don't care about, like don't spend money. Like if you don't care about clothes, don't spend money on clothes. But if you do, then like use your budget for that. So I really yep. like that perspective on things of not just like shaming people for buying a latte, but more so yep. like, here's how much discretionary income you have, spend it however the hell you want, right? But also sure. make these like smart decisions over here with your money. So I have, I have read that book somewhat recently. I think the two, uh, the book I just finished was Atomic Habits by James Clear, which is like a very popular book, I think in like the personal development and even like seen some CrossFitters read it. I love that book for habits, obviously. I'm using a lot of that for like content for clients. And then the book I'm reading now is called Enlightenment Now by Steven Pinker. I'm literally reading this because I watched the Bill Gates little documentary series on Netflix and saw he was reading it. So I was like, well, can't be a bad idea. Um, yeah. But it's a book. It's essentially a book about um, the times nowadays and how it can seem very like bleak because there's like all of these bad things on the news and like everybody's a racist and all of these things. But he makes like a statistical argument that like we're probably living in the best time ever to be alive right now and here's why. So I thought it was a very interesting um, thing because again we especially like being with an online business the the online space I think is like particularly ruthless with like you see the women's soccer team post something on Instagram and the top comment is like where's the kitchen you know what I mean with like 50,000 yeah. likes so um, it can seem like man there's just all these terrible people out there so I'm interested to kind of read the book and learn a lot of the data behind maybe like what's still still a pretty nice world out there so um, those are the books Second question, uh, this is very vague, but we'll kind of throw some context to this. <laughs> protein powder or boneless, skinless chicken breast? <laughs> yeah, I love this question because it's very specific. It has to be boneless, skinless chicken breast, right? Uh, so, I mean, I think whey protein is great, and I think it really does have a place in a lot of people's diets just because it's such an easy way to get in an, an additional 25, 50 grams in your day, whatever you choose to or however you choose to implement it. But I'm always going to lean towards the whole food side uh, just from a sustainability and, um, you know, satiety um standpoint i think like if you're eating a chicken breast uh in your meal uh, it's gonna just help really stabilize your hunger levels much more than a quick shake on the run so uh, i think they both have its place you know after a workout it's gonna be in my opinion better to have a protein shake quick like immediately after a workout to get the extra 25 grams in but um, I think, you know, if you're trying to build a sustainable approach in your week, uh, boneless chicken breasts have a better place. So you just got to find out what works in your schedule. Yeah, I would pretty much agree with all of those things. I mean, I think the, the important note on this is too is it's not or. You don't have to decide between those two, right? You certainly can. And I would say majority of people do consume both of those, right? Um, I think it's a bigger conversation with this. You just have to understand there should be some variance within your protein sources because every protein source is going to be uniquely high and low in some micronutrients, right? Like the actual macros of, of like chicken breast and very lean beef and very lean turkey and very lean chicken is all pretty much the same, 
right within a couple yep. of grams of fat but like certain ones are high in iron certain ones are higher in zinc certain ones are higher in more b vitamins or whatever there's also probably components in these foods we have yet to discover um so i think there the the importance should be some ver- variety there as opposed to like is chicken better or beef or is turkey better than whatever <coughs> right like if you can't yep. name the last time you had red meat you probably should eat more red meat more often. If you can't name the last time you had chicken, you probably should have some chicken, right? And then like what you mentioned too, the protein powder is the really the only, and you could put like dairy stuff like Greek yogurt in there, really the only like convenient source of protein. Everything else is gonna take some time to prepare, right? So it obviously wins out on the, the convenience factor of that. And also if you're training multiple times a day, that's gonna be much, much easier to digest that whey protein powder uh, between sessions, right? But obviously you can have both. You probably should be having both as a bigger conversation. Make sure there's some variety of your protein sources. You're not just eating chicken and egg whites for like a year straight, right? Um, Third question now, kind of lead into that. Nutrition after a workout, is there a prime time frame to eat something and it says protein, carbohydrate, or both. Yeah. So uh, I think if we're going to talk about CrossFit specifically, uh, I think carbohydrates definitely have a uh, huge place in just how you perform in your sessions. So uh, I, what I like to do with my clients is for a simplicity standpoint, you know, you can fill your day with um, – whatever you'd like to meet your target macros. But when we're talking about the meals around our workouts, I really like to keep those high uh, in carbohydrates and moderate in protein. And I even stress fiber too. And the reason I do that is because carbohydrates are really just gonna help fuel your session. Um, And then, you know, keeping fats and fiber out of the picture will just keep you light and feeling energized in your session. And uh, I think that's huge, especially when you're pushing intensity uh, in your workouts to just really, you know, I mean, people often say that they felt, you know, either not energized or sick to their stomach in the workout. And I think that's, um, you know, being on two opposite ends of the spectrum, one side being you're either eating too close to your workout session or you're not eating the right things. And then the other side being you're just not eating before your workout session. So if you can um, really just focus on getting a, a good dose of carbohydrates and some moderate protein in around your workout window, I think that's going to just really help maximize your performance and your results over time. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that as well, obviously. Um, he kind of mentioned, is there a prime time frame to eat something? I would say for like 99% of people, the answer to that is actually no. Um, because most people aren't training frequently enough, in the exception to what you were saying, where you're training in the morning and then train maybe in the afternoon. If you're the person that's training every day from 5 to 6 p.m., the most important thing is that you're eating enough food in the entire day. Because essentially, you're going to have 23 hours to recover from that session, right? So a lot of the nutrient timing ideas out there are applied to everyday people that work out once a day or some people work out every other day right in that case it really doesn't matter they're applied to those people but they were principles built upon real athletes who were say 
swimming in the morning and then lifting weights in the afternoon and then having practice in, at, at night, right? And then, then it's a, diff, a way different discussion about nutrient timing. And then, yeah, you definitely need like quick digesting carbohydrates right uh, after sessions and those things. So again, I think for most people, it's just not that big of a concern unless you're eating multiple times a day, uh, sorry, training multiple times a day, and then you would need to, to do that. Also, what Jesse touched upon is actually like pre-workout nutrition, which I think way more people could benefit from because obviously everyone is having something before they go and work out if you're working out five days a week, right? Um, like you mentioned, I think too many people have the idea in CrossFit that they eat anything within like a decent amount of time before they train, they're going to feel sick. But I think a lot of that is the actual composition. So just like Jesse said, like, you know, moderate or high carb is relative to your overall day, right? So moderate carb for me could be like 50 grams for someone else. It could be 20 grams, right? Um, but like a moderate carb, low fiber, um, easily digestible food is really good. Like some protein is fine. And then fat is the most, um, takes the longest to break down in your body. So trying to really minimize that. So if you're working out at five o'clock, having um, a fatty steak with some like sweet with like some sweet potato fries two hours before may upset your stomach, but having like uh, a Greek yogurt and a banana may be totally fine, right? So I think a lot of people should focus a lot more on their pre-workout nutrition because that has more of a transient effect on their performance. Um, but again, like I know post-workouts is so sexy because there's supplements and, and all of these things. Uh, but again, for a majority of people, really i would say everyone who isn't like super elite in their activity or who isn't training multiple times a day can can pretty much just eat their next meal when they want to to be to be dead honest with them you know yeah for sure um last question here this was by the great podium finisher at the crossfit games <laughs> uh, i think i've also been saying andrea's name wrong for like three years is it nisler or yeah, I think that's how you say it. I could have swore I heard someone close to her say, I want to say Nisler or like just say it differently. And I was like, oh, no. Well, I, I mean, I think it's Nisler, okay, but okay. <laughs> I guess you'll correct us if we're wrong here. Right. So Andrea, so Andrea yeah, something, who's a client of mine who's uh, been with uh, CrossFit OC3 the past few years, uh, the CrossFit Games. Uh, asked a question so she said accuracy of in body scanners in body is like a, a body fat test scanner um and then just kind of like general thoughts on body fat measurements so i will rant a lot about this if i start so i'm gonna let you start and then try to be succinct with my comments yeah well based off that it sounds like you've done quite a bit of research i actually um, i meant to do that i did not do any research before this podcast but okay all right so i'll go on a little bit of a, a spiel here um i think it's interesting how much weight clients put in the results of an in-body um what i i mean people much smarter than i am have developed this machine right and this magical machine sends impulses through your body and based off the time it takes to travel through that tissue it determines if it's uh you know lean body mass or fat mass and like the whole concept sounds really futuristic to me. I think it's uh, a crazy machine, but it's 
just one piece of information uh, that I use with my clients. And the big thing I use it for is to show trends, right? So if we do it on a monthly basis and you see the graph show that body weight's dropping steadily, uh, skeletal muscle mass is, you know, staying in the same window that we'd like to keep that or increasing and fat mass is decreasing. And that's consistent over like a six month period. I think that's awesome. But what I try to get my clients to focus much more on is, you know, I have them take weekly pictures with a check-in. I have them do tape measurements around their waist, uh, their chests, uh, even quads sometimes, depending on what they're focusing on. And then like uh, the body weight fluctuations. And I think that's going to be much more telling uh, for change, you know, seeing that clothes are fitting differently, uh, noticeable changes in your pictures. Um, and I think that to me carries much more weight than the in-body results. But people really love seeing the, the little, you know, they like to stand on the machine and hold the, hold the handles and get that printout that shows the graph dropping, you know? So, um, I did have one friend actually that like did the in-body went to the bathroom and then got uh, a different result on the in-body. And uh, the last piece I wanna touch on here is there are a lot of factors that tie into in-body result, like hydration. Um, you know, it says that you can't have like caffeine in a specific time window before the test. You can't have food in a specific time window on the test. So like, if you're gonna do in-bodies and really take that seriously, I think you have to maintain consistency with like when you take the test. So if it's Monday mornings and it's like the second of every month, then, you know, keep your routine the same before you do your test and the time the same when you do your test to keep things as consistent as possible. Um, so I guess that's really what I have to say. I use it for trends. Uh, and I think, you know, from what I've seen, it lines up pretty well with the results that I'm having with the clients during that time frame, but uh, I still think that I'm still a little bit skeptical of all these body fat measurement um, tools out there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm definitely on board with with those ideas and kind of the, the usefulness of it and also the accuracy of it. Um, so I guess I'll take a little bit different approach and summarize my thoughts kind of with in-body, but really just more philosophically with your body fat measurement in general. So this can apply to underwater weighing or bod pod or name your thing, right, DEXA. Um, I've been working with people for like six-ish years now, and I've certainly seen the trend where less and less, fewer people are concerned with the number on the scale. I hear that all the time. People are, I don't care how much I weigh, I just wanna look this way and, and feel this way, right? But those same exact people will tell me, I don't care what number I am on the scale, but I wanna be 15% body fat. And I'm like, you realize you're just changing the number you're concerned with, right? <laughs> like you just don't wanna be, you don't care if you're 140 pounds, but you do care if you're 15% body fat. That's the same exact thing, right? So I don't think a body fat test for most people really adds any more data that they can't get from their actual body weight, which is a number, and then either a progress photo, which I think is the best thing, or an actual body measurement, right? Um, because 
with most of my clients, we're just taking their body weight and just taking their progress photo. So if a client comes to me and their goal is fat loss, they look in the mirror, they say, hey, I want to be leaner, right? And I, then they weigh in, they weigh 200 pounds, okay? We know that more than likely they're gonna have to weigh less than 200 pounds to get leaner, to like the way they look, right? So they lose 10 pounds in two months. So now they're 190. They look in the mirror, say, I'm happy with this progress, but I wanna to continue to get leaner. And you continue to do that, right? And I think the body fat test for people, if for more people, it's more harm than good because say that person loses another 10 pounds. So now they're done, they're 20 pounds down in four months. They look in the mirror, there's a huge difference in what they see. They're buying new clothes, all these positive things are happening. But then they go get a body fat test and they're still 23% body fat. And in their head, like, oh, that's a lot. Like I, didn't, I thought I was gonna be way leaner than that. And now they're dissatisfied with their, with their results, right? But if they just yep. didn't know that number, if they knew they were 200 pounds and now they're 180 and they look significantly better, they'd be really happy, right? So even taking out the accuracy of them, which I think is a huge issue for people, right? Um, I just don't think it adds anything to, you already have a number with your body weight. And the reason why body weight is better is because it actually changes over a short period of time. You can't do a in body three days a week and see changes like that because it's it's too sensitive to change, right? It could be two percent off something like that um your weight's not you're not going to randomly your scale's not going to put you at 200 pounds and one day at 208 pounds right it's not going to be that off uh so again i just don't i know it's like a a little weird to say this like people are very very fixated on the body fat thing right now but guys don't think it matters that much i think ultimately most people come to us because they want to look a certain way or they want to be in a certain weight class or they want to feel and perform a certain way when a body fat test doesn't do any of those things right a progress photo does subjective notes on how you feel does if you're a weightlifter or a powerlifter your actual weight class matters but i just i'm just not the biggest fan of it for people and again, i think a lot of times it just gives you another number that it's, it's kind of like cool data but at the end of the day what did that body fat test tell you that your body weight in a progress photo didn't is kind of my Absolutely. standpoint. Yeah. So no, I think that's huge. Just get them to focus on the good things that are happening, and you know, um, I think that that goes uh, much further than the in body results. So yeah, cool. Uh, so that is it, guys. We're wrapping it up. This was longer than it was supposed to be, like every other podcast <laughs> I've done. Just don't know why it always happens that way. Um, but yeah, hope you guys got some value out of this with both the Q&A and the kind of getting to know Jesse, a lot of his experience with the half Ironman is what he did. Um, I don't have really too many plugs. Again, you can follow us at, at MyoBrain on Instagram. Again, our website is MyoBrain.co for all the interesting things on our nutrition coaching we have four different coaches, myself, Jesse McKay, and Katie Trombetta. You can work with any of us. You can learn all of the goodies that come with our nutrition coaching. Um, if you guys have any ideas for or kind of request for upcoming podcasts, uh, please let me know. And until next time, thanks, guys. Thank you.